What you guys have all done to be here is amazing. Even if you had no problems with your car, it's still a huge effort to get here and be here. Because, let's be honest, this is the middle of nowhere. Whether you're a driver who loves a good journey or a dealer selling tires, the road to success features a lot of the same stops. To make our journeys beautiful, we need premium, safe products that provide peace of mind in all conditions. And just like on the highway, it's a shared experience. At Nokian Tires, we provide those products with a side of passion. This podcast aims to showcase that shared passion among anyone who cares about the road ahead. Welcome to the Nokian Tires Journey Podcast. Those are the words of Chris Cluel, one of the hosts of the Overcrest podcast and one of the co-hosts of the Overcrest rally. I'm Wes Bowling, Senior Communications Manager for Nokia and Tires. I joined a group of auto enthusiasts to drive a bunch of beaten up sports cars through the mountains of Idaho. And we're going to tell you all about that trip because we were on a set of Nokia and Tires products on a Ford Bronco. Welcome into the Nokia and Tires Journey Podcast. This is your podcast of record for information about Nokia and Tires. And we try to bring that to you every month. And this month, we've got some really cool stories to tell you. A couple of remote rallies in areas of the United States that not many people get to visit. We were in the Sawtooth Mountains of Idaho with the Overcrest team and our tires had a presence in the northernmost stretch of road in the United States up in Alaska up toward Prudhoe Bay from Fairbanks. Two great stories to tell. We're going to start with Overcrest. Again, you heard the words of Chris. He was speaking to a group of about 100 people who made the trip all the way to Idaho in cars that they had fixed up along the way. There wasn't a single shiny new car there. There were a bunch of shiny, old, fixed-up cars that were ready for an unforgettable journey. And we took one as well, the Nokian Tires Outpost AT. And we think it's another reason to believe in the strength of of our products. We'll tell you why in a conversation. We're going to bring you now with Steve Barassa. Steve's our director of products and pricing. He joined me on that trip. His son even came and we had an absolute blast. Me, Steve, and his 15-year-old son tooling around the countryside into the mountains. Some dangerous situations as well that really proved the strength of the Nokian Tires Outpost AT. Along the way in that conversation with Steve, we'll plug you into some sound bites from others on the trip and a couple of really funny stories to tell you. So now we're joined by Nokia and Tires Director of Products and Pricing, Steve Barassa. He joined me on the trip. What do we do? 800, 1,000 miles, something like that across Idaho. A lot of a lot of driving through the Sawtooth Mountains. Yeah, and I was wondering the same thing, just how many miles we did do. I wish we would have tracked a little bit closer, but uh, it's got to be somewhere around that 800 at least. And not just the quantity of the miles, but the quality of them as well. And by quality, we mean difficulty. Uh, going going dra- gravel roads, mountain cliffs. Uh, you had us acting like a rally car around some of the turns there along the uh, the Salmon River, I believe, believe it was there in the gravel. It was a, it was an awesome experience. I want to know. I mean, I, I pulled your leg and, and got you to come in the first place, but beyond your extreme loyalty to uh, to Nokian Tires and, and friendship with me. What was it that really made you say yes to come along and even to bring your son on this trip? I mean, we, you and I were thinking about going last year. So I had a little bit of, you know, run up that I got an idea of what this was all about last year. And, or at least I thought I had an idea of what this all was all about last year. So uh, the images from last year looked great. Uh, the event looked fun. Uh, so it didn't really take a whole lot of convincing him. Of course, there's always some personal stuff that, oh, well, you know, we're gone for a weekend. That's all it makes it a little bit harder on the, on the family. So 
thought maybe if I bring my eldest son with me, then makes it a little bit easier on the family that I'm not dumping on them for the whole weekend and taking them on another work trip. You were the foremost tire expert there. Your son might have been the foremost car expert there out of the whole group, out of these enthusiasts. He was he was really into it, and it was awesome to get to experience that with him and, and see this through his eyes. So you mentioned you 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 kind of thought you knew what you were getting into. What did, what did you expect out of this, and how did it compare or even contrast with those expectations? I guess I was expecting a bunch of car guys getting together and doing some driving. Uh, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't have a lot of high expectations of Idaho. When you hear Idaho, you don't really think of, you know, scenic places, you think of potato fields. So that's it. Expectations for the, the location itself weren't all that high, but super pleasantly surprised. It was unbelievable the things that we saw almost right from the get-go, you know, as soon as leaving Boise, it was just spectacular view after spectacular view until we almost got back to the airport. So it was just incredible location. On the first morning of the event, we talked with Chris Cluel, one of the organizers of Overcrest, about his expectations for the event and how rewarding it was to have everybody in one place after a year of planning this rally. Here's what Chris had to say. The sounds of revving engines in the background day one of Overcrest, and we're going to take you through the trip across the Sawtooth Mountains of Idaho, and the man who conceived the route, Chris Cool of Overcrest, is here. Chris, how are you feeling as you watch all these beautiful vintage cars pull in? It's awesome. It's, you know, you kind of see them coming down the road, and all of a sudden your, your goosebumps stick off your arms, and you're... I don't know. It's not because you're cold. It's because of the experience that you know that you're about to have. It's great. And, and you have an idea what that experience is going to be. You've driven these roads. You scouted this route. What are these people in for? I hope, you know, there's beautiful roads all over the country, but what I really hope that people get is a sense of exploration, uh, discovering something new. The roads are great. Everybody knows the roads are going to be great. But what I want them to see is um, just a sense of mystery. And, uh, and I want them to discover things. That's what this is. This is an adventure rally, a discovery rally. And that's what we really want to have people experience. So in 30 seconds or less, what's this route going to be today? Oh my gosh. Okay. So we're going across the Chalice National Forest. We're going through the Sawtooth Mountains. Some people are going to be driving on a forest road gravel route through some of the most beautiful country that I've ever seen. Some people are following uh, uh, rivers across the state. And most of the great roads in Idaho follow a river or a creek or something like that. I hope people brought their swim trunks because there's hot springs, which I wish there was one here right now because it's 38 degrees. Uh, it's it's full of ponderosa pines. It's huge, tall, towering pine trees, the biggest pine trees you've ever seen, but also a lot of rock and sheer cliffs and everything like that. It's a really special place. Idaho is, I think, largely undiscovered by um people that haven't been here i know that seems weird but uh nobody really goes to idaho to drive and i decided to just come out and see what it was like and it ended up being a great place to take everybody can't wait to explore it with you today all right let's do it so one thing steve that, that surprised me a little bit as we talk about expectations was i guess i thought that that these people who poured so much energy and, and money and time into their vehicles would be a little bit conceited or maybe even competitive about that. I, I don't think we got that. It was a very community oriented, they were very proud of their work, but passionate about sharing it with each other and learning about e each other's vehicles. I thought that vibe was really pretty special. I thought the same thing. I, I kind of expected when you say, you know, conceited or overly proud or, uh, you know, those are the types of, of expectations that I had from these people and didn't see a lot of that at all. I mean, one of the things that's, still 
holds with me the most that it was the first evening that we all got together in Chalice and, and uh, Ben and I were walking around looking at some cars and walked up to this really nice Porsche that we were looking and almost immediately the owner was standing next to us and said, oh, you guys want to take a look inside and open up the door for us and invited Ben to grab a seat and almost immediately said, hey, you want to take it for a ride? And offered Ben to drive his car. And I said, there's no chance he's doing that. He's 50. <laughs> he doesn't have a license and he's going to kill your, your clutch. So there's no way that he's driving it. But just how you know friendly. And that seemed to be the theme for the whole week that guys were really eager to share their experiences and share their vehicles. And uh, they seemed you know as, as happy as we were to talk to like-minded people and share stories. And those experiences weren't always good in the traditional sense, uh, but they were always positive. Uh, a lot of cars had had issues, as you would expect from from you know old beaten up cars that had been fixed up with love and care. Uh, in fact, we talked to windshield guys as they became quickly known. Uh, and well, you know what? I won't even tell you any more about it. Let's just hear their story. Uh, we'll get you to Cliff and Scott. So some people went to really great lengths to make it to Overcrest and hang out. Um, Cliff and Eric went to the lengthiest of lengths, not distance, <laughs> but challenge. What happened about four four hours into your drive yesterday? Yeah, we were about 20 miles outside of Pendleton, Oregon on the way here, um, you know, just cruising along in our 73 Julia Super. Um, everything was fine. We, uh, we were behind a couple of semis and all of a sudden I think something got kicked up and the windshield just exploded in our face. <laughs> so we just ended up with like a lap full of glass at 70 miles an hour. Um, you know, just pulled over immediately, cleaned out the car. Uh, you know, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do at that point. It was like, all right, do we try to get to Pendleton? It was starting to get dark. Do we have it towed? Do we, you know, um, so at first we just cleaned out the car, got all the glass out of the rubber and everything um, to make sure we weren't going to have glass thrown in our face and then made the, the 20 miles to Pendleton with just our glasses, you know. That was pretty gnarly because it was, uh, it was bug o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we started thinking through options. We were like, all right, we don't really want to go home. Um, we want to do this. How can we make this happen? Um, there was a Walmart, so we just started looking around. We were like, okay, can we find goggles? Can we find a paintball mask? Um, we were, <laughs> we, we had a set of goggles, and we were like, it's going to be pretty rough. And then we got lucky in the auto section and found a couple of, like, two extra large helmets. That was what they had, and that was exactly what we needed. So we're like, all right, this is happening. <laughs> uh, they look fantastic so i guess that's the spirit of the event right like crap's gonna happen you power through because it's worth it for the experience yeah definitely yeah i mean we've been on a lot of rallies this we, we both ride motorcycles these helmets are pretty comfortable for us anyway so you know we're not going to give up that easy so describe the look of your vehicle right now <laughs> and what you've been dealing with then winding through these idaho mountains for the last four or five hours I mean, the, the car itself looks uh, like very ready for rally. It's got, yeah, it's a white Julia Super with um, a green race nose and Corello fog lamps and everything. Um, so it looks like it belongs out here, but uh, yeah, the no windshield thing is pretty intense. Uh, <laughs> most of the time people don't notice for a second until we wave at them through the front. <laughs> Uh, and then we were we were also concerned that we were going to lose the rear window with the the high pressure air buildup back there. So we have ratchet straps uh, wrapped around and through um, the rear bulkhead. Uh, it kind of looks like a thong at the moment because <laughs> the 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 strap kept moving its way up. So we used another strap um, locked into the trunk to pull it down. Uh, so you, if you can imagine that, 
There's a green thong on the back of our window right now. So I'm talking to two guys who are wearing full motorcycle helmets, driving with no windshield, and the back windshield does indeed. You've just ruined that for me. It definitely, <laughs> definitely does. But you but need the tramp stamp sticker at some point. <laughs> All right, this is a company podcast. We'll move on past that. So. Uh, worth it i guess so far oh yeah for sure i mean like adversity brings adventure right like that's what it's all about our adventure started when that window exploded you know <laughs> you didn't say that i did we're stealing that for our marketing slogan <laughs> adversity brings adventure i love it guys thanks i you've been known as the windshield guys windshield in our group guys, uh yeah. congrats and, and best of luck windshield guys yeah thank, thank you, you. So to me, Steve, that typified the experience. These guys were barely, barely gone from their home in, in middle of nowhere, Oregon, could have easily turned around and, and gone home where they said, you know what? We worked too hard. We're, we're going we're gonna to make this happen. We're going to come enjoy this experience. And I mean, they were, they were kind of the celebrities of the group, but a lot of other guys went through similar issues and gals with their cars. And yet that, that community spirit, people banded together and make sure, made sure that no man or woman was left behind. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody helped each other out. It was always entertaining to see, you know, one guy working on his car with maybe another guy helping him, but there was always four other people watching and making sure that it was done properly. Now, right. you, you did hear the rest of the story with the windshield guys and what happened to them? No. On the last day, they ended up losing their oil pump and the vehicle ended up getting left in the middle of nowhere. Oh, no. They, they couldn't find all the U-Hauls in the area had already been rented out, so they couldn't find a U-Haul to bring it back to their their place. They ended up going home and having to drive back with another vehicle and trailer to pick up the windshieldless vehicle and drive it back home. That's brutal. Good thing they were from Oregon and not from Connecticut or North Carolina, like a couple of folks. But even still, that is far from ideal. And and that shows, I guess, how passionate people were about this rally, that they were willing to put themselves through that kind of stuff to uh, to, to uh, enjoy this, this community of like-minded people. Uh, we could talk about the event and our experiences for, um, for hours, but we got to talk about tires at some point, I guess, as well. We took a Ford Bronco, Big Bend 2021, uh, cherry red, and we were the big guys, if you will. Everybody else was in, you know, mostly small little little sports cars. And we're in the car that that was ready to go all terrain. Like we had no excuse. We had to go off road. And we were on the Nokian Tires Outpost ATs. You've had experience driving on those tires, of course, you know, pitching the, the tires, writing the product presentation for those tires. But I would imagine this was a, a proof point for you, maybe as strong as any, and it certainly was for me, of what these tires can do when they're in very demanding circumstances. Yeah, indeed. And you put, were the first one to really put it to the test on some narrow roads uh, you know, that required a little bit of skill and, and uh, concentration to get through. Uh, and then maybe I was next to put them through the test a little bit, taking them on some off-roads and Started off with a little hesitation and, and took a little easy on it, but by the end of it, I mean, we were doing way too fast on uh, <laughs> roads that we shouldn't have been going that fast. Uh, and the tires held up great. I mean, not a single problem, not a, not a single even concern with them the whole ride. They, uh, they really uh, did exactly what we expected them to do. It was a lot of fun, and we were able to tell that story with participants in the event, none of whom actually took that first gravel road that we took, and very few of whom took that second one as fast as you did. Uh, you were you were really hugging the corners and with beautiful mountains on either side and and streams and uh, and tight tight turns, and it was it was a blast. Also, a lot of fun were the conversations that we had with those participants. What did you enjoy most about uh, hanging out with them and, and getting to know them a little bit, and even telling the Nokia entire story to them? I mean, the thing that I liked the most was 
how eager they were to share their passion, right? I mean, and it's, and it's kind of an easy one that's, you know, one question about their car and they would go off for 20 minutes about, you know, and, and it wasn't always about the technical stuff about the vehicle. I remember one Porsche driver was from uh, Philly. So he had all these decals and stickers on his car that were sort of representative of where he was from and, and uh, you know, the, the groups that he had uh, made friends with in his local area. Uh, but also, you know, talking to different people about um, what they drive to the rally versus what they drive at home, uh, trying to, you know, better understand what makes a, a passionate vehicle person uh, make the, the choice that they made. So what is that factor? What did you learn from them? And, and what have you learned throughout your career that, that you can share with the dealers who are listening to this? I mean, this is a, this is a minority group of people, right? This is a very small percentage of people who are coming to a tire shop who know every little thing about their vehicle, know exactly what they want. How have you found, what, what do you think would be successful in pitching a Nokian tires product to those when we have the fitments for, for their daily drivers? Um, what advice can you give to dealers on that front? I think that the important thing to look for is the passion for the vehicle. And, and that typically translates to, you know, I want to get quality products in my vehicle and in my vehicle, I want to install those same quality products. I want, I want the, my standards to be upheld in everything that I, I do with this vehicle. And I think that's where Nokia really plays a big part of it. And we're able to fill that high standard and, and bring, you know, a really good high quality product that's, you know, a, a good price point. And, uh, keeping those passionate people happy, uh, I think will serve us and will serve our dealers really well in the future. Uh, for the last question, um, before I leave it up to you for any other final thoughts, what was your favorite potato dish that you had in Idaho? There was there was potato salad, there were French fries, there were au gratin, there were all kinds of potatoes circling. I think we had some for every meal, pretty much. Yeah, we must have had some for every meal, but I think immediately about Warm Lake Lodge, sitting by the lake, and there was a potato salad there that was just killer. <laughs> Even the boilerplate stuff that you wouldn't expect anything special from. When it's potatoes in Idaho, they get it right. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any final thoughts you want to leave us with? Only a thank you for the invite and joining us on, on that uh, weekend. It was, uh, it was a really good time. Looking forward to next time. From one remote rally to another, now we're going to catch up with Zach from ARM Creative. He works alongside Ali Tire. We thought we were remote, Steve, up in Idaho. They were up in the northernmost road uh, in the United States, up going to, to the Arctic Circle in Alaska. Here's our chat with Zach about what they did on behalf of Ali Tire and Nokian Tires. Well, now we're joined by Zach Argood. He's co-founder and CEO of Arm Creative, the agency of record for Alieska Tire, a big-time partner of ours in Alaska. We've talked with Craig Wortham before uh, with Alieska. They are an incredible partner. And uh, now, I guess, probably the, uh, the customer that's appeared most on our podcast. This will be the third time. Uh, and the reason we're talking with Zach is that he helped oversee Alieska's presence at an Arctic EV road rally in recent months. Zach, I'll let you take it from here and fill us in on what you guys are up to at this amazing EV road rally. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Wes. And, and thanks for having me on today. Um, you know, the Arctic road rally was an event organized by a company called Launch Alaska. Um, it was funded by the Department of Energy's Office of Technology Transitions. And what it was is really a demonstration of electric vehicles to increase awareness, um, inspire adoption, 
and inform in infrastructure development in the state of Alaska as it pertains to electric vehicles. Um, it took place on one of the most remote highways in the probably in North America, um, called the Dalton Highway, um, between Fairbanks and um, the northernmost drivable point in Alaska. Um, and really, it just stood to be an example that if electric vehicles can perform out there and if the infrastructure can be implemented out there in such a remote place, um, then it could be done anywhere. That's amazing. So what was it that led Alieska to want to be a part of this rally and be a part of that uh, larger message? Yeah. So, um, you know, as the agency of record, working with Alieska Tire and closely with the brand, we're, we're always looking um, for opportunities to um, align the brand with things that are of the same value, right? So we saw the event as an opportunity to engage uh, in a conversation about EVs and sustainability in an active way and actually putting money where our mouth is and showing that they, we are more than a tire brand. And what, and, you know, what does that really mean? Because we, we can say that all day long, but what does it mean to be more than a tire brand yeah. um, or a tire company? So from a branding perspective, we're always looking at um, opportunities to engage with events like this, um, to show commitment to progress. That's a huge thing at Alieska Tire. And we also felt that it was well aligned with the vision and mission at Alieska Tire. One thing that Craig Wortham, who's been on the podcast before, like you mentioned, um, one thing that he says a lot is we prioritize our customer then our employees, and then profits. And I think that supporting events like this, whether it's um, fiscally or with products um, or exposure, um, just shows that they are committed to doing things like that. One reason we like working with Alieska and with so many of other customers is that they are driven by those values and not just value. Uh, and I think Alieska is a great example of that passion for sustainability. That's something that we have at Nokian Tires as well. Do you see that as you're as you're analyzing, you know, audience trends and talking with Alieska about the way that they serve their customers? Are you seeing a growing base of people who come into a tire shop interested in sustainability in ways their tires can help them protect the planet? Yeah, you know, it's a it's a slow process for sure, especially being up there when, you know, in Alaska, the overall sentiment uh, about oil and gas um, versus um, electric. Um, is definitely they're they're not even right now, right? And we're in an oil and gas state, and so that we view this as a marathon conversation. Sure. Um, so we're at that starting point right now, and I feel that um, over the last several years, the brand's been doing the training for the marathon, really getting prepared um, for that, putting in the effort uh, to train and be prepared to have that conversation. And now we're starting that race um, uh, towards that, but it, it's a slow process. But we're here for the long haul. Um, but events like this are definitely, um, it, it just aligns. It's a powerful tenet of the brand and influences the way we market the company for sure. Um, and so um, I think it's starting, but but it's going to be a, a longer process for sure. That's what we see as well. We understand that sustainability may never be the number one purchase factor for a majority of consumers, but it is such an important message and just the right thing to do. Uh, and, and so I admire Alieska for also sharing that, that value. Let's get back to the rally itself. What did it take for a, a project this massive, getting EV you know, vehicles ready and, and making sure that there was going to be a sufficient charging you know, capability, all that stuff? What did it take for that project to come together? Yeah, so you know, I can speak to that a little bit. Um, and like I mentioned in the beginning, the event was organized by a company called Launch Alaska, um, funded by the Department of Energy. 
Um, it was also supported by a few other big players. So the Alaska Electrical Vehicle Association, uh, who was responsible for helping electrify that part of the Dalton Highway. Um, and that's also where part of our partnership with Nokian came in on this, um, collaborating together to actually um, get those chargers, get get several of them and put them out there um, and you know doing what it took financially and logistically to make that happen. They were actually purchased in the lower 48, shipped up there. Um, these were recycled. Um, and I don't know if recycled is the right word, but uh, they were pre-owned um, electric chargers. Um, and what's really exciting about that aspect of it, Wes, is that two of the chargers that were used along the road rally um, will actually now be installed at Alias Guitars Palmer, Alaska location. Awesome. Um, and they'll be able to be used by anybody coming um, through there. Um, so that was a big piece of it. Logistically, how are we going to get these chargers? How are they going to do that? And that was between Launch Alaska and the Alaska Electrical Vehicle Association. Um, also, the Center for Transportation and Environment was involved heavily, as well as I think more than a dozen Alaska brands contributing financially, logistically to making it happen. A lot of moving parts with any event, let alone an inaugural event, let alone electrifying the most remote um, part of uh, Alaska. Um, and then as far as LES Tire goes, uh, what we helped do was provide support financially. Um, we helped provide electric chargers um, for the, the highway. We also help with exposure and marketing and branding and making sure that we were um, getting a lot of content from the kickoff event, promoting it on social, leading up to it during and after. Um, and then we also provided spare tires where we could. Um, so um, stuff that we had stock for, you know, it's very difficult to get a lot of products right now. Um, and so that was probably the biggest hurdle um, was logistically, how are we going to get these tires? How are we going to get them on there? Um, and are they going to be prepared for this rugged road. Yeah. Can you tell me more about that road, about the course itself and, and some of the challenges that these, these rally goers were dealing with? Yeah. So the, there's actually a, there's actually, um, I don't know if literature is the right word, but there's public published information out there from the department of transportation that says, if you drive this highway at minimum, you should bring two spare tires. Um, and there was actually uh, vehicles, I mean, they get stranded out there all the time. And what people don't understand about how remote this is, there were drivers coming from all over to come do this rally and join in this demonstration. And when I say there's nothing out there, I mean, after Fairbanks and after, you know, a couple of those first stops, Dead Horse, there's, there's just nothing out there. So at one point at the halfway point of the road rally, they had to actually stay on um, oil field land out there who provided accommodations to sleep and stay out there because there's just no hotels. There's no um, accommodations or restaurants or food or support of any of that nature once you get out into certain parts of um, this highway. So extremely remote, extremely rugged. There's no support out there. If a tire went down or a vehicle went down, they'd actually have to have a vehicle come out there you know, save them, basically drive them all the way back to Fairbanks and then be able to allow them to go all the way back again. So, um, yeah, it's pretty rough terrain. It's very remote. If anyone's ever been out there, um, they'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> well, it's incredible. And you, and you talk about how far North this is. I'm looking at a map now and just South of Fairbanks, South of Fairbanks is a town called North Pole. Alaska, if that gives you any idea of how high up this is. For yeah, and actually there in North Pole, they have uh, even a Santa Claus house 
um, <laughs> just funny enough. But yeah, I mean, even Fairbanks, you think about how far north that is for most of people in general, and that's only halfway up the state. It's incredible. It really is just the scope of that state is is amazing. Uh, so what did the, you talk about the purpose of the rally, which is to say, look, if we can do this on EVs in the most remote road in the United States, you know, we can do this elsewhere. So what did the rally reveal about the importance then of the proliferation of that EV charging infrastructure and, and uh, how possible this really is? Because I know personally, I, I drive a, a normal car right now, but I'm looking at mm-hmm. EVs and that's my biggest hangup is yeah, is the charging going to be there when I need it? Yeah, I think it proved it can be done. I mean, simply put, it's um, it just shows that this can be done um, and it should be done, really. You know, when it when you think about it, it can and it should be. Um, there's obviously going to be challenges with any project you take on, right? And anytime there's a big change like this, there's going to be challenges, there's going to be hurdles. But um, the rally ultimately stood to show the capabilities of EVs. We learned that, okay, they can do it. Even without being built for rugged terrain, they did it, you know, and um, they handled it really well. Um, it also showed that the required infrastructure that's needed to do it is possible. That's a huge piece of it, right? Because we can, you know, have EVs and we can do all that. But if that infrastructure can't be put in place, well, then, you know, we're kind of at a standstill. Um, and it can be done on one of the remote, high, remote highways um, anywhere. So, I think that that is what we learned is that uh, it's possible and mm. not only is it possible, it's something we should be looking at long-term. Um, and when you think about it um, in the context of being in a place as wild and uh, as Alaska and as preserved as Alaska is, you know, it's the last frontier. Um, it kind of sets a perfect backdrop for EVs, right? Like let's protect this place and these wild um, untouched places should be protected. And it's something that should be on top of all of our minds. Boy, we're totally on track with that. Uh, both individually, I am, and as a company, we are. And we've introduced now a couple of dedicated EV tires for winter. The studded Hawker Pleated 10 last year, the Nokian Tires Hawker Pleated R5. This year, both of those in EV versions. Um, how's that working for, for Aliesca so far? How, how is that partnership with Nokian Tires and, and particularly those products, how are they helping address the needs of EV drivers up in Alaska? Well, I think what's most important is that when we're having these conversations about this, making sure that Alias Tire has those products available, because as we start to talk about it and put this messaging out there and saying that, you know, Alias Tire is aligned with these things, then making sure they have those products that are ready there um, when people do start to come in, because this is raising that awareness and showing that they're dedicated to that. Um, and then it's also by having those products and partnering with Nokian. Um, it shows that we're not only, you know, talking about it, but we have those products there to support those EV drivers when they're ready to come in. Um, and it's, it's going to take time, but I think being proactive is the, the, the biggest piece. And we're starting to see that happen. We're starting to see um, people get interested in that up north there. Um, but I think the collaboration between, you know, Alias Katira and Nokia Tires highlights both our brand's dedication um, to future progression um, in the space. So, and making sure that, um, these drivers not only have high quality products, um, but that they're safe and reliable for the conditions, especially in places like Alaska, where the weather varies so much. Um, it's important for EV drivers to know that the products Alaska Tire carries are built for the exact conditions that they're living in. Um, it's not like, um, you know, it's warm all the time there. It, it, we can have rain, snow, and, you know, 50 degrees in the same day. And so um, I think that's the biggest piece is just knowing that they're dedicated to the future, but they're also prepared for EV drivers right now. 
That's fantastic. Yeah, and you talk about being proactive and ready for that coming trend. We're we're certainly trying to get there as well, and we admire your efforts uh, in that space too. Anything else that you wish I'd asked you, or anything you'd like to add today? I think just uh, you know to keep an eye on Elias Kadir and what they're doing, and um, uh, to anyone else out there that's considering you know making that investment in sustainability EVs or. Um, the future, the ROI will always be positive. Um, and that's something that LAS Qatar is dedicated to. We appreciate Nokian. Um, and it's um, any time that you can collaborate together on shared values, I think there's something really positive that can come from that. So um, we look forward to more. Finding value through shared values. Thank you so much, Zach, uh, for spending time with us. And congrats on surviving the great north, the land of the midnight sun. And uh, we look forward to continuing to work with you and with LAS. From remote Alaskan roads to the middle of Sawtooth Mountain Country in Idaho, a couple of awesome experiences for our tires and for us, and we hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nokian Tires Journey Podcast. We want to continue to give you reasons to believe in what we stand for and the tires we make, and we think the Overcrest Rally and the Arctic EV Road Rally are two excellent examples and reasons to believe in Nokian Tires products and in our values. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your continued loyalty to Nokian Tires, and we look forward to talking to you again next month. Nokian Tires is a global tire manufacturer passionate about providing drivers and dealers with peace of mind in all conditions. We're committed to crafting safe, sustainable, premium tire products that lead the industry in innovation. And this podcast is just one of many ways we're striving to be a close partner to you. If you have any feedback or ideas for the show, don't hesitate to reach out. My email address is west.bowling, that's B-O-L-I-N-G, at Nokian Tires, with a Y, dot com. Until next time, keep on rolling.